Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the Twelve podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Hockert. Greg, um, man, what did you think of last week? We had a couple. We had a couple blowouts. It was it was tough sledding for Oklahoma State, um, and for a couple other teams. I'm not gonna lie, but how did you feel about Week 11 in college football? In college football, as as a whole, it wasn't too bad. There were some really That's good fair. games from out of conference, but from the Big 12, there were quite a few duds, honestly. I think the best game was over at 2.30 p.m. since it was the 11 a.m. time slot, and that's Texas Tech and Kansas. I mean, I know probably most people what wouldn't have been their game of choice across the country, but honestly, there were – there were so many duds in uh, the 11 a.m. time slot this week. I don't, I don't Just, even remember who was. I think Alabama and Kentucky were playing at 11 a.m. and obviously Bama killed them. And there's a couple others, but Texas Tech okay. and Kansas was a really close game. I actually do have a question for you. What What do you think about the whole Michigan saga? Not necessarily about Jim Harbaugh, but the assistant coach who was crying after they beat. Big, bad Penn State. I mean, come on. Really? Yeah, I don't know. The, the guy didn't die. There's no need well, to cry about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, come on. We're not. He, it's, it's a situation where there's way too much smoke in the air for all of it to be false. Meaning there is some truth to this story, how much you and I don't know, at least. Uh, but there is some truth to the story, and he shares some guilt. So let's not cry on national television and <laughs> like, like like the dude got in a, in a in a car accident the week before. Like he he's totally fine. He just picked his feet up on his couch and, you know, they didn't need him anyway. They probably don't need him until the playoff if, if they I mean, make it. It's kind Big of Ten championship, maybe. He didn't even he didn't even coach the first three games of the year when they played absolutely nobody. He's yeah, not going to coach the last. The, he's not going to coach the last three games of the year. I mean, yeah. Do they really need him all that bad? But well, I, I guess I did forget they they do have their big matchup with Ohio State. Um, what is that? Oh, Two weeks their from one now? their one real game all year. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Besides them playing, you know, Western Minnesota Tech university or something yeah they, they don't play anyone i don't yeah I, I, we we don't have to be the latest to jump on the the big 10 just dogging on the big 10 but tanner did you see that there's a very okay i don't want to say very likely but there's a there's a reasonable scenario that every team in the big 10 west ends up with the exact same record conference yes. records i did see that and i think that that is laughable that northwestern will tie with Nebraska will tie with Wisconsin. That is just that's just ridiculous. But at that point, at that point, do you just like do you just just, replay the big game? (laughs) Just just whoever wins out of Ohio State and Michigan, just let them pick their opponent. 
just let them draw a name out of a hat because they're all I, playing the same team no matter what. I would much prefer, much rather prefer that. And honestly, it'll be a cakewalk in the Big Ten championship game. Well, yeah, I mean, last year Michigan played Purdue and beat them by, you know, 30, 40, while TCU and Max Duggan were, Max Duggan was practically like, walking to the finish line with one good leg and one good arm and they still lost. <laughs> so yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I mean we, we got a classic out of it, whereas uh, the big 10 basically got to, to tune it out. But anyway, Tanner, should we, should we talk, uh, should we talk week 11? Um, even though there weren't that many great games, there were still a few notable things to come out of this week. So yeah, we first, the first in. notable thing, is that Greg and I went 0-2 on our locks of the week. Um, It's been a while since that's happened. Well, hey, I didn't want to jinx myself, so I wasn't calling it out. But now that it's over, I was on a really, really good win streak. I think I hit like three – I was like three or four weeks. Yeah, I think I was going on a two-week win streak there. But, yeah, we were were both riding into the weekend hot, and um, it didn't didn't really work out great for us. I thought that mine was going to hit. Pretty. I was pretty confident yours, in that. Yours should have. Yours should have. Mine was very, very close, and we'll get to that. But yeah, let's just let's I'm just not. talk about that game. Let's let's just jump into Texas Tech. Goes into Lawrence. The booth is packed, and Texas Tech pulls out a win, 16 to 13. I would have thought that this was a a Big Ten matchup, just looking at the box score. But um, Greg, it's tough. I think. I think Texas Tech agrees with Kansas here. It's tough to win a game when you have to go down to your third-string quarterback. Yeah, I know. Um, this time we're talking about a third-string quarterback in a Texas Tech game, and it's not their third-string quarterback. So, yeah, uh, for for full clarity, Texas Tech did start the game off against Jason Bean. They did look good. I think they scored a touchdown. And Kansas went three and out a couple drives, and then Jason Bean got hurt. So it's not to say that the game would have been uh, an automatic Kansas win had he not gotten hurt. But looking at how Kansas' defense recovered and played the rest of the game, I definitely think that Kansas' offense with Jason Bean would have eventually found its rhythm and scored more than uh, 13 points. So Jason Bean goes down pretty early, only ends up you know attempting four passes. And uh, I think true freshman, I'm pretty sure, Cole Ballard comes in. Um, And Tanner, the numbers don't look good, but watching the game live, he was not incompetent. And he made some plays, especially down the stretch, to help them, to give them a chance. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were in it. They were, they had tied the ball game with what? 25 seconds left they tied the game and at that point you're thinking okay we can go to overtime we can make this we can we can pull out a win and sure enough texas tech makes a couple of good plays they're able to drive down the field with 25 seconds left and kick a kick a 30 yard field goal and that's yeah all they had was. a really good they had a really good um and this is it's so hard to defend but as a defender you just have to be aware of um, they they basically threw a go ball and Barrett Morton underthrew it. Jared Bradley came back to the ball and caught it. I I mean it was a good play, it was a good catch, but um under underthrown ball and underthrown balls are really hard to defend because more times than not it's either pass interference or the wide receiver somehow is like obviously he's the one 
looking back the entire time and he's he's able to see it before the DB is normally unless there's a yeah. safety over there and help and then it's a pick so um yeah I mean good good win for Texas Tech Tanner they've kind of they're kind of starting to, to turn the, the tide a little bit. I mean, too little, too late for sure. You know, the Big 12 does not run through Lubbock, at least this year, um, nor has it ever. Um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see going forward, um, 2024 TBD. But, um, yeah, they're 5-5 five and five now. Uh, so bowl eligibility is on certainly on the table for them uh, as they have uh, UCF and Texas remaining on their schedule. But, from where they were at two weeks ago, sitting at three and five, that they beat TCU, beat Kansas, I'd say they're very happy with where they're at now. Kansas, on the other hand, obviously you'll lose Jason Bean for the game. He'll be back this week against Kansas State, and is what what will be the biggest game of the season for both teams, um, which is is good for for Kansas. Uh, but Kansas basically with this loss knocked themselves out of the out of the title race. I mean. Uh, very, very slim. And by slim, I mean probably less than 1% chance that, that they're able to get in. Yeah, and before we before we start talking about Week 12, uh, the matchups for this upcoming weekend, we'll, we'll kind of dive into um, scenarios and what the Big 12 championship game could look like depending on who wins and who, who loses this next weekend. Um, Greg, I want to just kind of talk about the afternoon games as a, as a group. Uh, there were three afternoon games. One being Oklahoma State visiting UCF. UCF wins 45-3. to Kansas State playing Baylor. This one was in Manhattan. Kansas State wins 59-25. to And then OU... Uh, wait, this game was in the evening. I, this game was uh, later in the evening. But still, OU beats West Virginia 59-20 to in Norman. Um, I don't really have too much to say on any of these games. I mean, they were just... They were just absolute blowouts um, for Oklahoma State, just because obviously Greg and I are Oklahoma State fans. We we dive into things a little bit more for Oklahoma State. My my understanding is that you win five straight games. You have a huge win against a in-state rival. It's very difficult as a coach, as a team to continue every weekend to get up for these games and put out the same performance that you did six weeks ago when you were feeling a little bit more spry. You had just come out of a bye week and a loss, but you were feeling good. You had like made your decision at quarterback and running back, and so you were feeling good from that and got bumps and bruises, and just the emotions aren't there as much as they have been. Yeah, this was the most surprising result in the Big 12 uh, this this entire week, so definitely want to want to touch on it. Uh, for just a second, but yeah, OSU, um, so UCF space game, um, Tanner, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, they are still, they are, were, and now are still undefeated in their space games, uh, so shout out to UCF for that, the crowd was good, um, the was crowd was good, yeah, it was. it was, it was a good crowd, I think there were some deceiving pictures that that I was sent, um, or that I sent, actually, uh, and then the ESPN camera panned to the crowd at one point and I was like, that doesn't look like the picture I saw. Look, looked pretty packed to me. Um, but then they, they, they go up 17-0. Oklahoma State um, turned the ball over twice in the first quarter. And right about the time they went up 70-0, Tanner, the, the heavens opened and a good old classic uh, Florida, uh, not thunderstorm, but rainstorm hit. 
Um, no, no delay in the game because there was no lightning. But from the looks of it, I mean, you don't get me wrong. Even though UCF won by 42, they still struggled on offense once this rainstorm hit. It was very, very difficult to throw the ball. Um, I personally did not realize how heavy, and I still don't know 100% how heavy football footballs get in the wet or in the rain. Yeah, I had no idea. But supposedly, it sh- shout out to. RG3, um, he gave us some very, very in-depth detail about the uh, how they the football feels in the rain. Um, it was a little bit unnecessary, but a lot of things he does are unnecessary. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so it made it really difficult. Uh, so if you're Oklahoma State in this, again, no excuses for losing by 42, but uh, you go down 17 to zero. You were kind of moving the ball on offense. A few things didn't break your way. Uh, still a very reasonable chance for you to get back in the game. And then the rain just like would not stop. It was basically the whole second quarter and then on and off the rest of the game makes it very difficult to come back. So uh, not as an OSU fan, uh, not super worried about them going forward. Um, but if you're UCF, I mean, huge win. Um, and now like uh, Texas Tech, uh, UCF, a team that wasn't really, you know, maybe on the verge of eligibility is now right there within grasp. Yep. Um, do you want to, do you want to touch on the OU or Kansas state games at all? Other than it was just, just great offensive performances and performances. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I teased this last week that if Kansas state blows them out, we might hear something out of Waco. And while we did not hear anything out of Waco this week, I, there's still, I guess there's still time, but the likelihood of firing a coach later on in the week, uh, getting closer to a game is is fairly low. Um, I I wouldn't be shocked if Dave Aranda was let go at the end of this year. Well, I'll tell you what, he better uh, he better figure it out this week because Tanner. <laughs> we'll talk about this in a second, but uh, Baylor plays TCU, and I don't know if the Big Twelve is just desperate for new rivalries. This this, to my understanding, has always been. Uh, at least an unofficial rivalry, especially being from Texas. I mean, you have the two um, central Texas schools, the, the you know, the private Christian schools. It, it was always a little bit of a rivalry. Now it has an official name. It is the Blue Bonnet Battle, which if you didn't know, a Blue Bonnet is the state flower of Texas. So uh, they got kind of made fun of for this, but I personally like it. I mean, another I mean, that's a cool name for a rivalry. Uh, and yeah, Tanner, if you, if uh, if they go up to Fort Worth on Saturday and they get beat by TCU in, in really any fashion and they fall to three and eight, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how he has a job next year. Yeah, um, I think that so this this game has traditionally been called the Holy Wars, um, and I think because now the now that you're adding Utah next year. The games between Utah and BYU are also called the Holy Wars, and I'm just wondering if they made a strategic advertising move to stick with one one of these two games as the Holy War and then rename the other one. And I think that while the Blue Bonnet Bowl is not the most um, – it, it's not the best name, it it's better than some other um, some other games like the Battle for the Iron Skillet. Hey, that's forget. a classic. Who's that's that? A, between? That's a classic. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> or 
there's the Paul Bunyan trophy or like oh, there's just so you can't the Paul Bunyan trophy's legit, man. Isn't that Nebraska and Iowa? Or no, Minnesota and Minnesota Wisconsin. and Iowa. No, Minnesota oh. I, I see, okay. I don't care. I don't, I don't care well, exactly. It's it's Big Ten West, mid, mid Midwestern states. That's all I know. But hey, Paul Bunyan trophy, that's that's a cool trophy. Um the I will say when I think of the Holy War rivalry, I mean I think of BYU and Utah. I don't. Yeah. Never, never once have I thought TCU and Baylor. Um, I think that's the other thing so, is that it's 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 the more well known of the two names I would say. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see how they market this game going forward, and also how they market Utah versus BYU in the coming years. Okay, um, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about. Number seven, visiting unranked TCU. Number seven, Texas, visiting unranked TCU. Um, This was my lock of the week, and I was feeling very confident for most of this game, a majority of this game. And at one point in the fourth quarter, Texas goes up 29 to 13. Yeah, I would have been feeling pretty good if I were you too. And TCU scores a touchdown. And then they score another touchdown and bring it within three. Greg, what what were your thoughts on this game as a whole? Texas looked good. Quinn Ewers um, was able to come back and, and play pretty well. I wasn't really sure what to expect in this game. You know, I, I like your pick of, of Texas minus 10. And that line when we recorded was before they announced Quinn Ewers being starting quarterbacks we we never we never had that discussion and so you kind of jumped in at the right time um because that that line once once Quinn was announced to be starting that line went in Texas's favor even even more than it already was so I like the pick from you and it was looking good and then Tanner Texas is now making a habit of blowing fourth quarter leads but just barely hanging on at the end um they blew a 21 to nothing lead to Houston and they should have I don't want to say they should have lost but but Houston got screwed on a, on, on a spot call uh they blew what was it 17 to nothing against Kansas State uh last week and then 29 to 13 in the fourth quarter against TCU they can't keep doing that uh, and expecting I mean it, it wasn't even 29 13 at one point it was 26 to 6 <laughs> like that's even yeah. worse yeah so when you're talking about these, you know, borderline three touchdown leads, you, I don't know if they're losing focus, taking their foot off the gas, um, whatever cliche you want to use, but that starts with coaching, in my opinion, that, that, that's a, they, yeah, the, the players are going to, you know, they're going to do what they do, but that becoming a habit, I believe starts with coaching. Because it's a mentality, and it's a mentality that needs to be drilled into the players, and that's the coach's responsibility. Um, you cannot take your foot off the gas. And so uh, this week against Iowa State is is going to be an example of, I think if they do run into that scenario again, they're going to get beat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think another very big thing to come out of this game, not only Texas wins, they move to 9-1 and one now, um, Jonathan Brooks, their star running back, who was top top ten, if not top five in the nation in rushing yards, tears his ACL. Um, so he is obviously out for the rest of the season, which could 
could maybe get a little interesting for them. We'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out, but it will be interesting to see what happens or what they do with the run game moving forward. So that'll just be something to keep an eye on. But I just, I, yeah, I just wanted to make sh- make sure that we mentioned that. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about one of maybe the second best game on the slate. I'm not, I'm not really sure if you would quantify it that way, but or I guess third best game. Cincinnati goes into Houston and beats up on Houston. They they pull out a nice win, 24 to 14. At one point in the fourth quarter, they were up 24 to seven. So a very, very good game from Cincinnati. Um, Emory Jones. Pretty poor day throwing the ball, I guess. 13, 13 completions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. So obviously didn't make any mistakes, but I guess their main focus was on the run game. They rushed for 204 yards and two touchdowns. You know, they had 48 rushing attempts. So I mean, I would say the game plan is pretty clear for them. Um, let's just pound the ball and uh, hope it works out. And in and, and Houston – Really the only, I would say, notable um, telling uh, stat is Donovan Smith throwing three picks. Um, I think that's the difference in this game. I don't think these two teams are that far apart in terms of of where they're at. Uh, Neither of them, obviously. um, Well, I guess technically Houston has a chance to make a bowl game still, um, technically. Um, But I I don't believe either team will will make a bowl game um, with Houston having to play Oklahoma State and UCF to wrap up the year. So uh, it, it's a good win for Cincinnati. I mean, I think when when I think of, of these two programs and, and you know, their, what, what they could be in the Big 12, I feel better about Cincinnati competing than I do Houston. Um, and, and that might be a little bit of recency bias with Cincinnati making the playoff two years ago, but – uh, I, I just think that they have the better program. Um, it's a, it's and, a good win for Cincinnati. And just program momentum, I would say. You have a you have a playoff berth, which ultimately your coach leaves for another job. But still, you can recruit in and around Ohio, which is a great recruiting base, um, as well as momentum. You have a great fan base at home. Yeah, I think that's a huge deal. I, I think the fan base is a big deal. Cincinnati has a much better one than, than Houston. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, Cincinnati obviously is a big city as well, but Houston's, I mean, top, I, I think it's the third third or fourth largest in the country, and they just don't care about college sports. No. Um, and if or they do, professional sports Texas, for that matter. Yeah, the, all their professional teams are, aren't very good either. Well, okay, I guess the Astros Except are. Except Astros. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, wrapping up week 11, Tanner, uh, Iowa State um, beats BYU in Provo 45 to 13. This was one I, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I whiffed on a lot of picks last week. I, I think I only got like one or two right, but um, this is one I definitely got wrong. I thought that BYU at home at night, usually very, very difficult. They have a good winning percentage. Um, but Iowa State just went on the road and took care of business and quietly remains in the Big 12 title hunt. I also think that we should throw out there that Keaton Slovis did not play for BYU. And I think that that's where we were kind of we were kind of hoping that he would play in this game against Iowa State. And that that was part of the reason why I think you and I both were picking BYU in this game. So that's that's just something to mention, not necessarily that that should vacate 
the loss that we took on this game. But, but I also will say I did not see I did not foresee Iowa State scoring 45 points. Like they that, haven't they the, their their season high for the year prior to that was okay 34 on Oklahoma State, um, 30 on I mean, Cincinnati. But I mean, yeah, that's a that's a pretty large that's a two touchdown jump from basically from their their next highest point total um, for this year. So uh, Iowa State, I mean, I think we were kind of we Tanner obviously we were both low on Iowa State like most people were to start the year, but Matt Campbell has done an incredible job. Um, you can't you I I think that anyone going forward. With what with what they lost, um, both to the draft and then and then to the gambling scandal, and I know Iowa State fans were up in arms of, oh, well, we lost a player that you know had this amount of production and this amount of production, and like they, maybe they weren't very good, and shoot, maybe they were right. I mean, maybe they were right, but normally Tanner, when you lose starters, uh, it is not so easy to replace them and have success immediately. Um, and obviously, it wasn't immediate. They they dropped. They dropped a couple of games that they'd like to have back, namely the Ohio game and the Iowa game. Um, but they put themselves in a really good spot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They are still, I guess, yeah, they are still in the hunt. They do control their own destiny, but they will have a tough matchup this upcoming week versus Texas and then followed with a tough game. To me, this is the great, the one of the better names of a rivalry in all of college football. Farmageddon? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. That's that's, that's one of the that's a classic names. name. Yep. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and before we Which start what, picking games, tiebreaker scenarios. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about tiebreaker scenarios. So, as it sits currently, let's see here. Texas obviously owns the number one spot in the Big Twelve. So. They do control their own destiny. They're 6-1 in conference. They went out. They're easily in the, the Big 12 championship game. They play Iowa State this week. So if Iowa State wins, that obviously increases their chances for getting in. So let, let's let's go down let's go down the list really quickly. We're only okay. going to talk about the top uh, five teams, um, being that everyone below that has at least three losses. So like you mentioned, Tanner, Texas three at the conference top. losses. Yes, three conference losses. Texas at the top, uh, low number one at, at six and one, and then OSU, OU, Iowa State, <clears throat> and Kansas State all sit tied for second at five and two. Um, so Tanner, there was some drama this week regarding the Big Twelve tiebreaker scenarios. So I just have to lay it out for you and, and anyone that may be listening, because chances are they are probably still confused. And I did a lot of research on Sunday being that Oklahoma State is one of those four teams tied for second. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, all right, well, how, how is this going to play out? Ultimately, we, we, we don't know because there's still two, two games left for each team to play. So a multitude, there are an, almost an infinite number of scenarios that could happen. Um, you even mentioned to me before we started recording, there is a hypothetical, it's not going to happen, but there could hypothetically be an eight-way tie at first for place. For first place, yes. yes. Not just for second place, for first place. So. So uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but what, there is a probably less than 50% chance of what I'm saying actually ends up um, mattering. However, because it is a, a likely outcome on the table, it, it means something. So in the Big 12 tiebreaker rules, Tanner, they have it listed. Obviously, 
if there is a three-way tie or more, head-to-head -head record is the tiebreaker. Unless all three teams or four teams have not played each other head-to-head. -head, or so we thought. So OSU fans were up in arms from about Sunday afternoon to Tuesday afternoon because there is a, a, a decent chance that OSU, OU, and Kansas State, if each of those teams wins out, will be tied in a three-way tie for second place. In the first scenario I mentioned, OSU would not make it because OU and Kansas State had not played each other. So in, that, in the wording of those rules, OU and Kansas State would not have played, didn't play each other, meaning they would go to tiebreaker scenario number two, which is record against next uh, opponent in the standings more than likely would have been a combination of Iowa State and Kansas. Who knows who would have gotten it at that point, but OSU has already lost to Iowa State and OU has already lost to Kansas, so it probably would have been Kansas State if they are able to win out in this scenario. The Big 12 clarified, Tanner, not changed, as OU and Kansas State fans think. They clarified their tiebreaker rules this afternoon to the athletic directors, saying that head-to-head, -head, trumps everything and that OSU will then specifically state the scenarios but meaning because OSU is 2-0 against OU and Kansas State if there were a three-way tie that is what decides it period no if ands or buts um OU and Kansas State fans not happy but Tanner this is how tiebreakers work it's head-to-head -head. Yeah. OU and Kansas State could have played each other and and either team could have won by 500 points, and it wouldn't have mattered because one team would be 0 and 2, one team would be 1 and 1, and OSU would be 2 and 0. They should have yeah. gotten in if this happens. I mean, in the reality, if you don't like the tiebreaker, win the damn game. Couldn't agree more. Not that tough. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, Greg, thank you for the, laying that out for us you did a great job of that it is so, confusing yeah. i'm still so all, confused all, five of, all five of those teams yeah and and it's it, it's tough to explain all five of those teams that i mentioned are all on the table all still have a chance um iowa state technically you you mentioned they control their own destiny they they do to an extent but because they lost to ou if ou wins out and they end up in a tiebreaker it just you just never really know how the – they still need a little bit of help. Um, OSU, they need one Iowa State loss and and to win out. Uh, OU is going to need Texas to lose. Um, and, and basically a, a mass chaos scenario to ensue in which they would own the tiebreaker over Texas. Uh, and then Kansas State, uh, kind of the same scenario. They, they, they would need – they would need Texas to lose and and uh, probably a variety of other things to happen to. Um, honestly, for Kansas State, it'd be, it'd be really good for them if uh, OSU lost. Um, and, and same for OU. It would, it would help out both those teams. So, so yep. many different scenarios, Tanner. We will have a much clearer picture next week. Yep. And we can talk a little bit more about it next week because I'm sure, or maybe, the teams that can get in might be pared down just a little bit or – the solution will become much clearer. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and put a couple teams on upset alert. This week is going to be tough because I'm not really sure who I would like to put on upset alert because... Oh, oh, I can go first then. All right, you go for it. 
Eric Tanner, I, I, I hate to do it to him because as an OSU fan, we need him to win. Um, but I am going to put Texas on upset alert. They're going to Ames, Iowa. Uh, it's going to be an absolute hornet's nest. Um, <laughs> 7 p.m. kickoff, primetime on Fox. Ah. Also, Tanner, Texas closed this back-to-back road games for them. Um, you know, TCU is no friendly environment. They were able to get out of there with the wind. After sweating it out against Kansas State, after sweating it out against Houston, uh, Tanner, I will be – it's tough to say I'll be rooting for Texas. I always want Texas and OU to lose. Um, but I, I, I do want what's best for OSU. So, I don't know. I, as you can tell, I'm very conflicted. But I'm putting Texas on upset alert. Um, and I have to bring this – I have to say this. I saw this, and it just it, – it still hurts. 12 years is still too soon. Tanner will be the 12-year anniversary on Saturday of Iowa State beating oh, no. number two Oklahoma State when they were 10-0 in Ames um, on a uh, Friday night. A very infamous uh, game for uh, Oklahoma State fans is probably the most – probably the worst and most heartbreaking loss in program history. Um, that, one, that, one that still haunts me to this day. That and also it was just not a great week for Oklahoma State in general. Um, if you are interested, there are plenty of articles written about it, but there was a Oklahoma State plane crash that week prior to the Iowa State game and then also then going into Ames and losing. Uh, just wasn't the best week for Oklahoma State athletics all around. But let's move on to happier things. Um, I am going to put Kansas State on upset alert. Um, I know that both teams are ranked. It might not really seem like an upset at all, um, but Kansas State is going into the booth, and I think that it's going to be a close game. Rivalry games are, um, they just make people do weird things, just like homecomings do. It's, It's just craziness, absolute craziness, and I'll leave it at that. Kansas State, also in your defense, is a seven and a half point favorite. So when we're picking these ups, we're, we're putting teams on upset alert. We're we're looking at lines that are two or three points. Um, yeah. Both both Texas and Iowa State are a touchdown plus a half point favorite, um, which would quantify as an upset if um, if they were to lose. Yep. Okay, Greg. Let's go ahead and pick some of these. I guess all the games. We have some really weird times this week. It's like almost every hour on the hour, there are games starting. So at in the morning slate, at the normal start time, noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, um, OU goes to Provo and plays BYU. OU is currently a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. <laughs> That's a lot of points. I'm definitely taking OU on this one. Greg, who do you have? Yeah, I've, I've got OU as well. I don't know if Keaton Slovis will be healthy or not. I don't think it'll matter. It's BYU's, not. It's, BYU's only chance of this was if it was at night again. They're not. They're not. They're not winning this. I'm. I'm sorry, BYU, but you're you're gonna have to do some work to make that bowl game. Yep. Being that yep. being that they're five and five and have the two Oklahoma school, the Big Twelve did them no favors. Um, well, welcome to the Big Twelve. Your your weeks twelve and thirteen will be um. You get to host the Sooners 
Uh, and then you get to go fly back to Oklahoma with Sooners if you want to and just go up the road and face Oklahoma State and boot pickings. So yep. uh, the t- tough slate for BYU. I'll, I'll, I'll take OU uh, comfortably. Me too. Then at the most random time, in I would say the majority of the Big 12 time zone, it'll be 1.30. We have Cincinnati visiting West Virginia. West Virginia is currently favored by six and a half points. Um, I would say if this were, if this was in Cincinnati, I might say, you know what? I'll take Cincinnati, but this is Morgantown and I love Morgantown. Although I've never been, I'm taking West Virginia, West Virginia on this one. This is a, this is a rivalry game. Um, do we? I don't. I don't know if this has a, a technical name for it or not. But the, uh, West Virginia a, and Cincinnati are a, former Big East rivals. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So this is, this is an old Big East matchup. Um, probably more memorable uh, matchups on the hardwood in basketball than than in football. But the rivalry certainly exists in football too. Uh, I will take West Virginia in this one. Um, I'm not going to. But I debated making this my lock of the week with them being favored by six and a Ooh. half. D- debated. I'm not. I'm not going there. Um, but I thought about it. And then Tanner, I remembered how they screwed me over about a month ago when they let Houston throw a hail mary on them. So um, <laughs> I said, no, no, sir, West Virginia, you will not break my heart again. Okay. All right. And then let's see here. At 2:30 in the Central Time Zone, we have the Blue Bonnet Bowl between Baylor and TCU. <laughs> and it's funny because neither of these teams are blue. Um, TCU is currently favored by 13 points. For a 3-7 three, three and seven team versus a 4-6 and six team, I feel like that that's a pretty large spread. Um, but TCU has been playing better of late, and Baylor has not been playing better of late. So it kind of it makes sense. But that's still a little bit of a, a large spread for my liking. Yeah, I like TCU in this one. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I don't really know how much home field advantage will come into play. I wouldn't be comfortable taking them on with with spread, but yeah, Tanner. I mean, I mean, Baylor's terrible. I don't I don't really know how else to put it. <laughs> if, if TCU finds a way to lose this game, I, I will be truly shocked. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't make my pick, but I'm definitely also going TCU on this one. I think that's that's fairly that's fairly obvious for the both of us. Um, and then at three o'clock in Central Time Zone, we have Oklahoma State visiting Houston. Oklahoma State's currently favored by seven points. Um, I will definitely be taking Oklahoma State on this one. I think that after last week, you kind of regroup, you get humbled a little bit, and you come out and you punch Houston in the mouth. I think that's really What's going to happen here? I like Oklahoma State as well. The one thing that scares me with this is Donovan Smith's ability to uh, scramble. I think Oklahoma State's really gotten hurt this year by mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Garrett Green from West Virginia had a lot of success. Uh, obviously, John Reese Plumley last week had plenty of success. He could basically did anything he wanted to. Uh, so Donovan Smith and his, his, his legs do scare me a little bit. But Tanner Houston is is also like like Baylor. They are neither they're they're just not good. Um, and if Oklahoma State, I mean, they've got everything in front of them still. Um, a Big 12 uh, title appearance, um, a possible you know if they're, if they're able to you know win that game, a possible New Year's Six bowl. 
Um, even with the loss to UCF, as bad as it was, they, they still have everything to play for. Whereas Houston is fighting for eligibility. Um, I, I like Oklahoma State to bounce back. And I also want to mention that this is a Mike Gundy versus Dana Holgerson matchup who Dana Holgerson has previously coached at West Virginia. And so and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State and at, at, yeah, he was the off, he was the offensive coordinator for one year at Oklahoma State. Um, but they are they're familiar with each other. And so far in their games against each other, Mike Gundy has consistently gotten the better of Dana Holgerson. Okay, Greg. Now at four o'clock in the Central Time Zone, we have UCF visiting Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a two and a half point favorite. This is this is interesting to me. After um, UCF blows Oklahoma State out, Texas Tech goes into Lawrence and beats Kansas by three. Who do you have here? Both teams coming off really big wins um, in in what were probably two of the bigger upsets, surprises of, of last week. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they bounce back. Tech's got a lot of momentum. Um, maybe not a lot. They've gotten some momentum after just a really rough start to the year. Um, and, and, you know, I talked about that earlier, but they look a lot better now that they have Barry Morton. He's healthy. Yes, they only scored 16 points last week, but a win's a win. Uh, they were able to close it out. Uh Tanner, I'm taking UCF in, in the road miniature upset here. Um, I, I still – I'm unsure how I feel. Texas Tech has played so inconsistent, whereas UCF is slowly rising, and I think it's partly due to the fact that John Reese Plumlee was out for almost a month in September, and he came back. Maybe wasn't 100% healthy the first game, but came back, and, and they've slowly gotten better each week. Um, so, yes, even though they're coming off of a huge win, uh, it's tough to go play on the road, and, and this will be their first trip to Lubbock. So it, it'll kind of be a fun matchup, but I, I like UCF. Long-winded answer, but I like UCF. I like UCF here, too. Um, this game is also – I don't – I'm sorry if I, I might have missed it, but um, this game is for bowl eligibility. So – this is uh this game this has this game has some weight to it. Yeah, uh, both teams at five and five. Yep, a new Big Twelve member potentially getting their first bowl bid in the Big Twelve, and a typical big or a, I guess a a legacy Big Twelve member potentially getting back to a bowl game this year. Okay, next we have Kansas State visiting Kansas. This game is at six o'clock Central Time. The, sun, the Sunflower Showdown. The Sunflower Showdown. This that name is pretty weak. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Kansas State is currently a seven and a half point favorite. I already put Kansas State on upset alert. I'm gonna go ahead and take Kansas in this one. Greg, hey, I, I respect it. I will say um, I respect your pick. I do not respect the fact that this game is on FS1. Tanner, this is a this is a top twenty five matchup. This is uh, the Sunflower Showdown. This is going to be a big game, and um, the booth's going to be rocking. I mean, they shoot. I don't know how many times we've said that this year, but the booth has got a lot of good home games. I mean, I don't know what Kansas is cooking up there with uh, Brett Yormark to to get all these home games, but but man, they they, they look good, um, and they do play a, a lot better at home, except for last week. Uh, with that being said, I'm taking Kansas State. 
Okay. They are the hotter team at the moment, um, but I will call out Tanner. Uh, they haven't really beaten anyone yet. All the teams they've beat and beat up on are the uh, cellar dwellers, the the lower half of the Big 12, um, all of the uh, contenders, so to speak, uh, OSU, Texas, and then obviously lost to Missouri earlier in the year. Um, they have not beaten. So kind of Kansas State, but I think it's going to be close, and I'm happy that uh, Jason Bean will be playing. Yes, I'm happy about that as well. Okay, then – Finally, at 7 o'clock Central Time, we have number seven, Texas, visiting Iowa State. Like you said, Greg, this uh, this is going to be a hornet's nest for Texas. They're currently favored by seven and a half. Who do you have here? I've got Texas. Um, this is going to be a tough game for them, probably their toughest remaining game. Um, yeah, I, I it it's tough because I can totally see this game – playing into Iowa State's favor, um, just, you know, in, in a typical road upset, getting a couple turnovers, things of that nature. But Texas has the athletes to combat what's going to be a crazy atmosphere. They need Quinn Evers to play clean football, and they'll win this game. Yep, I agree with you. I'm also going to take Texas on this one. I think that – I think that while um, – Rocco Bechtis had a really good year. I think that Quinn Ewers is just going to have a better day. Okay, Greg, I think it's time that we go ahead and pick our locks of the week. You go first because I am picking between two teams in my head right now. So you go first. All right. Well, I think you should just give them both just in case, but we'll, we'll go with the one that you say is final. Uh, I like UCF. Um, Two-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road at Texas Tech. I I kind of feel like I'm being suckered in again here, um, and I'm going out of my box, Tanner. My box all year, what's worked for me, OSU, Kansas, Kansas State. It's worked for me all year. Those three teams against the spread have been very good to me, um, except for last week. Kansas, Kansas hurt me a little bit. Kansas State also hurt me once at the beginning of the year. Haven't forgotten. Uh, but when I go out of my box, it, it, it gets a little it gets a little dicey. But you know what? I like John Reese Plumley, and I just don't think Texas Tech is going to be able to. Uh, I just don't think they're going to win in general. I like UCF to win the game, so I mean I'll take them with the points. All right, all right, there we go. Um, I am deciding between West Virginia and Oklahoma State. I like both of these teams to win by more than a touchdown. Um, I think that I'm going to take Oklahoma State on this one. Just, I just need to buckle up and do it. Um, I'll take Oklahoma State as my lock of the week. But as a secondary lock of the week, I'm also going to put West Virginia. Not as a backup, but more as like I'm this confident in West Virginia that I would also take them well, as a lock of the week. Your, your two favorite Big 12 teams, I will say, were, were – I do like that you you kind of have two locks there. We're not counting it towards your record, Tanner. You you need two wins these last two weeks of the season to end up at an even seven and seven. You're currently sitting at five and seven. Texas really hurt you there. Um, that would have been a, a good win for you. And uh, you, you certainly, uh, as as tough as this year started for you, picking picking these locks, uh, it's ended a lot a lot better. Uh, yes, and then is. and then I'm sitting at eight and four right now. So I'm 
I'm trying to trying to close it out strong. Um, get get to get to ten, maybe. I mean, um, hey, I'll I'll take it. But Tanner, your lock's trying to get bull eligible this week, so yes, it let's, is. Let's get. We're let's gonna get, get there. there. We're gonna get there. All right, Greg. Do you have anything else that you would like to say to the good listeners of our podcast? I'm I'm ready to. You know me. I'm a, I'm a huge math guy. I love to break out the scenarios. I I, I did it during March Madness, and um, I'll be excited to break down the the conference championship game scenarios next week. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. I I do want to mention that last night. I guess last night for you might be completely different than it is for me right now. Uh, on November 14th, that would be Kansas took down a top 25 ranked Kentucky in basketball. So just want to just just so you know, listeners, we're keeping our eye on basketball. We're not going into we're not going to go into conference season uh, totally uninformed. But I did want to give Kansas a, a nice little shout out there. All right, everybody. We hope that you have a great week 12 of college football. There's going to be some good games. There might be some bad games, but hopefully there's more good games than bad games. We thank you for listening, and we hope you have. Like I said, we hope you have a great weekend. All right. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye.